Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Thanks. Um, yeah, let's um, open up in prayer. Um, yeah, I just want to honor the Lord. I want to honor my pastors for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, so weird. I teach every Sunday, and it's a much different ball game <laughs> up here. I got nervous, couldn't eat. I was <laughs> like, "What's going on?" You know. But yeah, you know, it's 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 different, and this is holy ground, and I want to keep it that way, or um, or step on it in that in that manner. So, um, <clears throat> let's pray. Father, I thank you for this evening, Lord. I thank you, God, for the word that you've put on my heart, Lord. Um, I just pray that we are teachable uh, to you even in this moment, even though there's notes on the page that I'm just obedient to where you want to navigate and how you want to navigate and what you want to say and what you want to do today. Um, I just pray that you just use this moment, this time as a vesselship for you um, and Lord, just have your way, God, and just prepare the grounds of our hearts. We're ready uh, to receive your word. In Jesus' name. I'm ready. Okay, let's do this. Um, For the beginning of our text, we're going to be in James um, chapter 1. I'm going to read a lot uh, from my own Bible because I don't really like the Bible app, so just you'll navigate through this with me. Okay, so James chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 2 to 8. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, but you can read out of whatever one you would like. Um, Verse 2, it starts with, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may not that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So I want to, I, I was taking a nap and then I woke up and then I went back to bed. You know one of those naps where you take like a long nap and then you can't get back to bed in the middle of the night because you took a long nap? No? Okay. <laughs> Just me then. So when I was, um, God often drops sermons on my heart and he, he put this one, um, I don't want to say on my heart because it's more like on my mind. And my mind's just racing until I write it down and I get it out. So that's kind of more or less how he talks to me. And so he was, most of this, most of, all of this is his, but most of what I'm going to talk about tonight was actually given to me in that moment. So, so James is talking about counting it all joy, right? All the trials, all the testing, because trials bring testing of your faith that produce patience, completeness, and maturity, 
let's give some context, okay, of what James, James is actually directing this letter to the church in Acts chapter 8. So if you have read through Acts, then you know there's a, there's a lot going on in Acts chapter 8. Stephen was just martyred. Uh, Saul, who we know as Paul, is determined to persecute and imprison as many Christ followers as he can. Um, so much that he's going door to door, <laughs> city to city, um, and he is gathering up everybody that he can. We read that in Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 1. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was uh, at Jerusalem, and they were scattered uh, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So we read in verse 3 when it says, as, as for Saul, he, made, he wreaked havoc on the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So this was not an ideal start um, to your walk with God, right? They just got saved. They were meeting. God was moving. God was expanding. And they're being persecuted and sent off to prison and uh, martyred, right? So imagine the, the church is a little shaken because Stefan was just stoned to death. So everyone's like, oh, no, what do I do, you know? And so it's really not an ideal start. Um, they went, their their choices were to face jail time, persecution, or in death, or to be scattered uh, and survive and leave everything that they know behind. Um, to go to an unknown world and unknown people that they weren't even culturally uh, qualified or allowed to mingle with, right? <laughs> the, the, the Jews now begin to mingle with the Gentiles and they had to step out from the place that they were culturally um, supposed to be. So this was very foreign land for them with a foreign people who did not like them. Um, you can see that even when you go through um, the woman at the well, she's even having a hard time understanding that Jesus is Jesus. Why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. Don't talk to me. Like we shouldn't be even having a conversation. So the, the, these people who just gave their life to the Lord are now scattered, ministering the gospel to people who don't want them either. <laughs> so not ideal. Um, so they must be devastated. Um, but little did they know that the persecution that they were facing was actually a setup to their destiny. Because uh, in verse 4, it says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So it is actually because of their persecution that Gentiles, like you and I, know the word, right? But I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me, let me reel back a little bit. So let's go back to James. And James talks about this word testing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now the word for testing in the Hebrew is actually hasan, which is, which is meant to prove the quality of something, or in our case tonight, someone. This is not like a pop quiz type of testing. Um, it is a testing to see what you and I are really made of, right? Adversity <laughs> shows you what you're made of. You know you have a friend when a friend sticks with you through the highs and the lows, right? You, you, you know the type of person that you have when you've been on the hilltop and when you've been in the valley. 
So this is the kind of testing that we're, that James is talking about. And James, James is using the word testing synonymously with a silver with how a silversmith would test silver. See, a silversmith would put silver in a pot and heat it up, and once it got to a specific temperature, the impurities would rise to the top. <laughs> and with the silver, a good silversmith, right, would scoop them out. Like, have you ever boiled chicken, right? And you're boiling chicken and all the nasty stuff comes up. You don't just like leave it there, right? You scoop it out. Yeah, <laughs> you scoop it out or you get rid of it. A good cook would scoop it out, right? A good silversmith scoops out those impurities and then he puts it back in for another round. Everybody say, put it back in. All right, you're with me. At least, at least you're with me on that one. Woo! Okay. So the testing of the silver was to see if the silver was pure. And it would have to go in multiple rounds if needed until the silversmith can see his own reflection. Now James likens Jesus to a silversmith that tests you and I through trials with the goal, like James says, to make us complete, whole, mature, holy, and lacking nothing. What I find really interesting, follow me here, is in the Aramaic translation of testing, the word means bacon, which is not bacon. I know we just talked about breakfast burritos. It's not bacon. It is bacon, okay? And that word means testing for qualification and for promotion. Very important. Um, James most likely spoke Aramaic, so he understood this when he wrote this. The testing is necessary for qualification, it's, ne it's necessary for promotion, and it's necessary for crossover, okay? Testing is, oh, here, let me circle down. Gen uh, Genesis 22, you can go there if you want, read it later. This is the story about Abraham and Isaac and how, he, how the Lord asked him, right, the Lord tested him to sacrifice his son Isaac. In order for Abraham to walk in the destiny God was calling him, he needed to be tested. See, testing is not to be misconstrued with temptation. Because we know when we continue to read James chapter 1 that the Lord does not test. The Lord does not tempt. He tests. He's not a tempter, right? But that we are tempted. The word of God says here in verse... 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But anyone is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So he's not tempting you, but temptation can be the offspring, sorry, let me say this again, yeah, of testing, that's right. Temptation can, can, can come from the offspring of testing, meaning when you're in a test, it can feel like temptation because temptation's an offspring of testing. Does that make sense? They can kind of go hand in hand. So we get a little confused at times, but the Lord doesn't tempt, he tests. It just feels like a test because you're tempted. Yeah, that makes sense in my head. Catch it if you caught it. Catch it if you got it. There you go. So testing, and I use that example, we can use that example with Abraham and Isaac, right? Why did the Lord choose to, I, I can't answer this question in the Lord's mind. This is my own personal opinion. Um, but why did he test Abraham in the way that he did? 
Well, the Lord had promised him to, uh, to be a father of many sons. Well, Sarah couldn't get pregnant. So what did he do? They had this bright, brilliant idea would no wife would ever have to go and have him sleep with his slave Hagar. And so what did he do? He slept with Hagar, right? So he slept with Hagar, he had Ishmael, and then the Lord still blessed Sarah's womb, and then he had Isaac. But why did he need to be why did he need to give up Isaac? Because his sin was already doubt. He already didn't believe the Lord. He already disobeyed the Lord. So while his sin and his temptation was to doubt and disobey, his testing was to sacrifice. That making sense? It's making sense, right? In my head, it's making sense. Praying the Holy Spirit is making sense to you. Okay, good. So those can go hand in hand at times, but Abraham needed to be tested. In order for him to walk out his destiny, he needed to be tested. In order for you and I to walk out our destiny, we also have to be tempted, uh, tested, sorry. Tested and tempted, you get it. All right, so testing is allowed by God, and it's a necessary part of the sanctification process that the Holy Spirit works within us to make us more like him. Um, I'm gonna go into a long testimony, so let me get some water, hold on. <clears throat> this is a fun fact off the record. I did a sermon class and I submitted like this sermon that I thought was amazing. And he sent it back to me and he said, it sounds like a book, like a textbook. And I was like, that was really rude. And so he told me that my sermon sounded like a textbook. And he says, you need to add a little you in there you know some connection with the with the, the members so this is my connection with you guys <laughs> okay yay okay so about six years ago about six years ago i got really sick i didn't know what was going on i know that i came back from a a trip to north carolina and i was really sick and um, my old coworker, now friend, is back there, so she can attest to this. But I was sick all the time, just not. I wasn't. I wasn't doing great. But I was just living on like Theraflu, and and I would constantly have, you know, kidney infections and whatever, and just. I mean, it wasn't good. But in that time period, I was a little like confused. I was like, why am I? Why am I getting sick? Like every month, I was just getting sick, getting sick, getting sick. And it was affecting everything. It was affecting my personal life. It was affecting my professional life. It was affecting my ministries. Um, I would find myself really frustrated. Pastor Maria can attest to this, being on the platform. And, you know, the worship team's so amazing, you know, supporting me and, like, you know, lead this song and do this. And I couldn't, I couldn't catch a breath. And I was really like, I don't, I didn't. I didn't understand why. I was like, oh my gosh, like my, my, my lungs, I've never had a problem with them, but I couldn't catch a breath. I couldn't no longer hit the notes that I, I could. And I began to get so frustrated. And so I, I took myself out of that ministry and I just started to disconnect in certain ways. And, and, and this was a time of, of testing for me. 
So eventually I, I went to the doctor and I got some testing done, <laughs> some doctor testing done. And they, they gave me the diagnosis. And as soon as I got it, and I'll tell you, there's a few things, but I'll tell you one of them that it was. They had examined my lungs and they had found that my lungs looked like I smoked my whole life. Very interesting, because I don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> I didn't even smoke cigarettes. I don't, they always gross me out. My parents always smoked them in the house growing up. Um, and so the first thing he was like, you know, it says you don't smoke, but like, I don't know, man. <laughs> and so I, I began to piece some things together. I lived in a motel, and when we moved in, I was seven. When we moved out, I was... 15 so 11 years in a motel moving in where the the walls were white and then when you left they were orange so there was a lot of secondhand smoke that was in that motel and my parents didn't smoke outside they smoked inside so now I discover from this doctor that my lungs have black pockets all over them and that would explain why I was struggling it would explain why I was getting sick often or why I um, w even even when I'm talking I, I get short of breath quickly and so I hear all of this and this is where the testing comes because I was put in the fire and what was coming out was what needed to come out <laughs> I, I began to feel fear, anxiety, doubt, anger, and unforgiveness began to boil back at the surface. Now, the interesting thing is I didn't know those things were there. I've always been a pretty, you know, happy person. I didn't really realize that there were some things that I needed to deal with. Um, and at the time, I was taking care of my parents. I was, you know, um, housing them in my home. I was feeding them. I was providing what they needed. I was parenting them. What I thought I was doing was actively forgiving them. That's what I thought. I was, I was like, I forgive them. Like, no problem. Like, I'm taking care of them. What do you mean I don't forgive them? What do you know? I don't give them half my paycheck. What do you mean I don't forgive them, right? And so I, I thought that unforgiveness had... I'd always say this before, whenever I had an issue with somebody, I would bless them. Because in some weird mind, I thought that would counteract it. It doesn't. Just, just so you know, it's good. <laughs> it's great. It's a step. But the Lord needed to put me in the fire to really bring that out. So I didn't know that that was there. Because like I said, up until that point, I thought I had forgiven them. I thought we were in a good place. But you see, God didn't want my false honor <laughs> or my plastic forgiveness. What everyone else could see from the inside, he wanted holy honor. He wanted true forgiveness and complete healing and maturity that only came through him and through putting me in the fire, through putting me through testing, right? So, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so that brings a great, you know, walk. Me and my parents are now in a place where I had to say, you know what? Oh, I was mad. I was mad about this. 
but we it brought us together. It brought complete forgiveness together between my parents, between my family. You got to witness a little bit of that Sunday. And God gets the glory because God wasn't getting the glory with my fake forgiveness. I was. My pride was, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And the Lord says, well, I want to. I want to take the glory for that. I don't want to share my glory, right? That's what the word says. I share my glory with nobody, including you. And so God wanted that. So he shook me up. He tested me up. He threw me in the fire a little bit. And the Lord is so good. And, you know, I would love what Pastor had said. You know, he's either going to heal you through it or help you through it. And so understand that healing doesn't just come uh, when it's all gone. But healing comes also through lifelong restoration as well. And he's going to help you through it. And that works perfectly with the rest of my message. Uh, so my questions to you are, are, can you relate to this? Have you gotten some bad news? <laughs> Have you gotten some bad health news? Some bad financial news? Have you lost your job? Have you seen any deductions in your pay? Have you lost a family member? Have you been in the fire? And I just want to encourage you not to jump out, but to dive deeper. Because you get the full benefit of the test when you go deeper. It's part of the process. It has to happen. You cannot <laughs> fast pass holiness. There's no shortcuts to glory. The sanctification process burns, and it has to. Amen. I'm going <clears> to <throat> close. Now, don't get excited. It's a long close. Okay. <laughs> it's a long close. We're going down the hill. We've walked up. We've hit the top. And it's a long hike down, so don't take your seatbelts off yet. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go to First uh, Samuel 22. And I'm just going to move around there, but that's kind of where my, my text is going to be around the 20s with this first Samuel 20s okay so this this month the Lord has had me just clinging to David um, in this season and it, it's funny because I've I've always studied the, the New Testament you know over and over and over and I've seen this word constantly in the New Testament and I did not realize how many times and how differently, uh, of a definition it holds in the Old Testament. And that word is stronghold. <clears throat> and now stronghold is not what you think it is, right? Or maybe it is, depending on which side you're on. Okay, but just, I'm, I am not talking about the 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 3 through 6 stronghold. I'm not talking about the weapons of our warfare, our, you know, pulling down stronghold. This is not what I'm talking about, okay? Is that what you thought I was talking about? All right, I'm not talking about that. All right, I am talking, <laughs> I'm talking about the actual definition of stronghold. And that is the Hebrew translation. Oh, I don't I want to say meow, but I know it's not. Mo <laughs> Maoas. But I want to say meows, okay? But it's meows. I even pressed the little, like, translate it so I can, like, hear the pronunciation. It's not meows, but that's where my brain wants to go. 
So that's the Hebrew translation of that. And the definition of that, the definition of stronghold, actually means place or means of safety, protection, and refuge. The, ver the, the definitions after that also mean prison, which is where you get 2 Corinthians from. So it does still mean that. But the main definition is safety, protection, and refuge. You can see this in Psalms 9.9. It says, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble, meaning that he's a castle, he's a fortress, he's a refuge, he's a protection over the oppressed and those in times of trouble. Now, David is recounting this in Psalms, right, throughout his adulthood, but this has been consistent through his childhood and through his adolescence. And the Lord was his uh, stronghold, not just even through the trials, but especially through the trials. And you can actually read that when you read 1 Samuel 20. You could go all the way to the end, and he mentions consistently how the Lord is his stronghold, how while he was on the run from Saul, the Lord protected him constantly. <clears throat> Yeah. So 1 Samuel 22 uh, first talks about how David was in the stronghold. And that says that, and then you go down to uh, chapter 23, it says that he stayed in the stronghold. But there's something really interesting uh, about the difference between the 1 Samuel 22 stronghold and the 1 Samuel 23 stronghold is that the prophet spoke something in between that. Amen. Thank God for prophets, right? And in 22, it says, this is so good. Actually, I'll read 22, 3 to 5. It says, then David went there from Mizpah of Moab, and he, and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Harath. So he was in a place that was comfortable. He's like the great, great, great grandson, if I'm doing the genealogy right, of Ruth of Moab, right? So he had a familiar covering here in Moab, and he brought his parents over to protect them and to keep them with him. And, he, and just immediately, the prophet said to leave the stronghold. So why would the prophet tell him to leave refuge, <laughs> leave safety, <laughs> leave protection? Because the prophet knew something that David didn't know. The prophet might have known the whole story, or the prophet might just know the next inquiry. <laughs> it's oftentimes that we, that we, you know, prophets don't always get the whole story, but they get the next thing, and they know that what it is you're going to do with that next thing, the Lord is going to also provide another stronghold for. And so we see in 20, uh, 23, 14, David's now, after kicking some Philistine butt, uh, David <laughs> is, in the, is in the wilderness, and it says, and David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness. So after leaving one stronghold, 
kicking some Philistine booty, the Lord gave him another stronghold, another place of protection, of refuge. And you can even continue to read, but Saul didn't stand a chance against the Lord's stronghold. He didn't stand a chance. There were so many times where he came close, but he didn't stand a chance. <clears throat> Amen. All right. I, I lost my notes. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, right? <clears throat> so the, the Lord tonight actually is leading me. I never know how to end. <laughs> I don't know how to end any conversations. I just end them like, yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's late. I'm closing the door. <laughs> so, um, but I, I believe the Lord's leading me just to remind you, those who are going through testing, to remind you that the Lord provides a stronghold for you. And if you're in the fire and you're not burnt, you have a stronghold. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you're, the, the Lord says you're welcome. I provided a stronghold for you because you're in the fire and you're not burned. You're still here. You're still standing. Um, amen. Uh, and I just want to share. I wasn't even going to share this, but now, now I'm, now I'm going to share it. Um, a couple Sundays ago. Uh, ooh, it's going to make me cry. Because just remind, remembering, <laughs> a couple Sundays ago, the Lord called me out. And Sister Bloom prayed over me. And she asked me to take her anointing. And she said, the Lord's telling me to tell you to take whatever you want from me. First of all, I'm scared of Sister Bloom <laughs> to begin with, okay? I used to have to give her rides home, but I was, and I was like, don't talk to me. She's going to see. <laughs> I was quiet on those rides, huh, Sister Bloom? I was quiet. I was like, so what you reading? <laughs> What's the reading list for today? <laughs> um, and I was just like, just have her talk. Like, don't ask me any questions, you know? And so, because I honor her, because I fear her. I fear the anointing on her life. I know that if the Lord speaks to her, she's, she's going to come. <laughs> she's she's going to say something. She's, she's a bold uh, prophet in the house. And so... I was a little hesitant, but I hung on to her like I wanted everything she had. And the Lord met me there, and he, man, I never felt the Lord like that in my whole life. The Lord, it was overwhelming, and it was overwhelming that night. It's been overwhelming ever since because I never felt the Lord like that. But this is what I'm going to say. What did you tell me, Sister Bloom? <laughs> Comes with a price. She warned me. 
after asking me to take the anointing. (laughs) What was that? Right? What was that? She could have been like, it's going to cost you something. Now, if you want it, take it. She tricked me. She tricked me. She, She tricked me into it. She told me to take it, and I took it, and I felt... When I tell you I felt the exchange, I don't know how you felt, but I felt the exchange of the anointing through your body into my body. Thank you so much, girl. Good looking out. (laughs) Good looking out. I felt it, and she told me, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. It's going to come at a price. And I'm so glad, I don't, you know, even if she would have told me that, I still would have probably taken it. Because how many opportunities do you get like that to be anointed from the Lord, right? Uh, not, not many. I was taking it. I was like, oh, I'm going to hold on. Every <laughs> little body, I was going to tackle her. Um, <laughs> but I want to encourage, I feel like the Lord's leading me to share that, to encourage those who have received prophetic words, who are sitting on them because you're scared to go in the fire, because you're scared of the testing, because you're afraid of, how, of, of what it's gonna cost you. You're counting the cost, and you should, the Bible says that, but you're scared of that. You've been spoken over how, some of you guys have three, four, five, six prophetic words. Enough, enough already. The Lord said it, so walk in it. You shouldn't fear the testing. You shouldn't fear the fire. Count it cost and then put it in the bank. Move on. Don't sit there counting your pennies all day long. The Lord wants to do something, and it's going to cost you something, but you're going to be built through the fire. So get in. Fire's not all bad. Fire's good. You see, going back to the, the church of Acts, They went through the fire. They went through the fire. You can actually continue to read the whole book of Acts as our church history, and they went through the fire. But it is only because of their fire that you and I know the Lord now. Because if they would have chosen to sit on their prophetic words (laughs) and sit on their holy behinds, you and I would not know the Lord. The word of God would only be for Jews. Who's a Jew in here? I wish I was, but I'm, <laughs> I checked my 23 and me, I'm not, but I, I was really hoping to get a percentage in there. <laughs> I was really hoping. Uh, so this church would be empty. The word of God would not be accessible to you. But because of their fire, it's accessible, right? Because of their fire, we get Romans and Ephesians and Galatians that guarantees every promise to the holy people also to us. Right? That's what Ephesians says. Ephesians says, count everything as yours because there's no longer Jew and Gentile anymore. There's no longer slave and free. Everything I gave them, I also gave you. So every promise that I gave them, I also gave you because of their fire. And because of your fire, come on now, because of your fire, someone else is going to know the Lord. So you can choose to sit on your holy behind, (laughs) on your hands, or you can get in the fire, embrace the fire, right? Um, Yeah. 
That's all, man. That's all. I don't want to say anything.